0: This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, brought to you by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. Orbition Group is delighted to bring this podcast series, which boasts some of the most high-profile data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Each episode details the journey to the top of our industry's most respected leadership figures while bringing unique insights drawn from first-hand experience on the industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, experiences, and ideas to inspire, innovate, and give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, relax and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Andrew Jones, who is the founder of Data Science Infinity. So, Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Good to be here. Very good. Um, yeah, pleasure to to have you and uh, very excited about kind of getting into this and uh, uncovering some of the, the nuggets of information that I'm sure you, you're going to provide. So, um, but I guess before we kind of jump into that, Andrew, um, just give us a, a brief intro into your background and I guess journey up to this point, if you don't mind
1: yeah absolutely. so i I work as a data scientist, um, and I've been working in the areas of analytics and data science for over thirteen years. now, and my my journey to where I am now is a little bit of an odd one. I guess i didn't I didn't study data science or computer science or even mathematics at university. I did degrees in marketing and psychology instead, and then I actually just happened to land my first role as a marketing analyst simply through playing indoor cricket with the manager of that team. Um, You know, I I had discussions with him while we were playing cricket, you know, about the fact that I'd I'd done marketing, but I was also very passionate about mathematics, even though I didn't study it. And he said, why don't you apply for this marketing analyst role that I have on my team? And I did. And I fortunately got the role. And then I started using a programming language called SAS. And I was just blown away with how you could not only manipulate and analyze data but how you could use things like machine learning to predict what customers were going to do and I was just hooked and ever since I've just been so passionate about it that I've continued learning and moving into different roles in different industries and in recent times I've been quite fortunate I've I've worked for Amazon and I've worked for Sony PlayStation where I was building and prototyping machine learning based features, which have now come out on the PlayStation five, which is really exciting. And I've just seen recently that Sony's actually patented a few of the things which I worked on, which is blown away by, but yeah, this, this, the stuff doesn't really come easy to me. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't come from a specifically technical background. So things like statistical formulas are still somewhat, you know, like a foreign language to me. I have to work really, really hard to translate that into something that I can understand or something that makes sense to me but i guess i see that as a blessing in disguise to some degree like when i learn something complex i need to turn it into something intuitive you know rather than using greek symbols i need it to be in words that i can understand but i must see like i must see that as a good thing i can i've i've developed one of what i think is one of the most important skills in data science which is the ability to translate technical things to key stakeholders or managers in businesses where you know they're not coming from a technical background so you know, if they're the ones that hold the key as to whether what you've built goes into production or, you know, gets put into place for the customers, then, then that skill of explaining it to them in non-technical terms is really important. So, you know, I, I guess to anyone else listening that, that's coming from a non-technical background but wants to get into data science too, then don't see that as a weakness, perhaps see that as something that you can actually turn into a strength.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Obviously, you know, t- being in the line of work that I'm in, obviously, it's important for people to have a certain, you know, aptitude towards certain technical skills. But, but yeah, you know, the, as time goes on, there's so much emphasis on that ability to, you know, storytell and uh, communicate and present to stakeholders. And, and as you say, kind of translate the jargon, if you like, into, you know, business terms for, for, for these people, um, which is, yeah, you know, hugely important. And I guess, I've been involved in a number of initiatives around trying to attract more people from non-technical backgrounds, you know, so from less conventional areas of study, um, because those people, you know, they might not be able to bring the top end technical skills, but they certainly can bring, you know, some of the, the, the other stuff, um, that may be more commercial in nature. So really interesting kind of opening gambit. So appreciate that. Um, Obviously fascinating that you've, you know, worked for some of the huge players like Amazon and and Sony, Um, and I'm sure we'll kind of uncover some of the experiences that you've had um, as we kind of delve into the topic a bit further. But I guess just give us a a bit of insight into obviously, you know, starting the Data Science Infinity and where that all came from, Um, and and I guess, you know, how you've ended up at at this stage, because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there thinking, well, you know, he's worked for Amazon, he's worked for Sony, you know, why doesn't he just go and work for... Microsoft or or, or yeah. Google, you know, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I finished up at Sony in March of this year and, and I was actually consulting with them or, you know, freelancing with them. And it actually just happened that the IR 35 changes were coming in and the contracting market was, was sort of getting a little bit twisted and nobody was really sure whether there would be contracting consulting roles going forward. So I started thinking about what else can I do? And you know, I've been very fortunate in my time during, you know, at Amazon and Sony that I've been involved with a lot of interviewing and recruitment of data scientists. And I've, I mean, I ended up at Amazon interviewing, I think over a hundred data scientists or, you know, interviewing and screening over a hundred data scientists. And I I got a bit of a feeling for what it is that can differentiate standout and successful candidates from those who, unfortunately, miss out on roles, and and I started to see there was quite a disconnect between what candidates were learning in both online courses and even university courses, and and the requirements of the real world. So, what what is it that hiring managers are actually looking for? You know, when they're looking for candidates. So, so I you know I decided to start something up myself, and I decided to build out this data science infinity program and at the start i thought you know this will this will take a month or two and and about six or seven months later i'd finally finished it um a bit of background on on how i've gone about it so i didn't just want to be another lone voice shouting their opinions about what data scientists should or shouldn't learn so like i say i had interviewed quite a few data scientists and i'd seen this disconnect between what people are learning in the real world but Again, I didn't want to just be one person because you'd never, you know as a data scientist, you'd never rely on a sample of one to prove something, right? It kind of it goes back yeah. to the core principles of what we're trying to do. So I went out and I've spoken to hundreds of leaders and hiring managers and recruiters and even key stakeholders of data science, data scientists and data science teams in the industry, and I've asked them about skills, tools, techniques, experiences, attitudes, education interviews coding tests and and from there i've sort of distilled all of that information down into what is data science infinity Um, and then on the other end i've spoken to a lot of aspiring data scientists as well about their struggles and what they find hard and i've tried to fuse those two so at, at the end of the day the program's about learning the right content so based on the input from what hiring managers and recruiters actually want from candidates. And then I want to teach people in the right way. So going back to what I said before, this is all about a focus on intuition and understanding, because if you learn in a way that's focused on intuition, then you can, you can put these things into place based on intuition. You can help other people in the business understand what it is that we're doing and, and what happens when we turn this dial. Because if you just go to somebody with a mathematical formula, who's not from that background, you know, they won't, trust what you you know they won't they won't build that trust from you because they don't understand it and that's so important but the other thing that I want to do with data science infinity and the other thing that you get if you do sign up to the program is you get unlimited access to guidance and support along the way I I don't like this idea of you know you can learn data science in six weeks or three months I want to pe- I want people to see that this is a lifelong learning journey and I kind of want to be there along the way with them even though that's a a lot of work sometimes it I know that that's helping people really build their skills in the right way yeah absolutely and I couldn't agree more I think that you know there is a huge disparity
0: especially with um you know what what people you learning at university and what their perception is of what the type of job that they're gonna get when they enter the real world were versus the the actual reality of of what businesses need from these data scientists um so obviously it's great that you know you are being able to position a, a product and a service that kind of you know sits in the middle of, of that and tries to help both sides of, of the fence um so i mean i know there's there's a lot to it and i'm sure there's an awful lot you know that you that you don't necessarily want to kind of give away but are you able to kind of give us a bit of kind of insight into what the program covers
1: yeah. So I can, I can talk about that at a, at a high level. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, we, we cover a lot of ground. Um, but I guess, I guess if I was to frame this in terms of like, what, what does an aspiring data scientist or where should, an, where should an aspiring data scientist focus their learning if they want to get into the field, because that's what I've sort of tried to build with the program. So yeah. like I said, before I have, I've spoken to a lot of aspiring data scientists and that question around what should I learn or where should I focus is probably the most common one that I get. Um, and there's so many people telling you what you should and shouldn't learn. And it, it becomes quite confusing and demotivating. And, and, you know, this is from them telling me, you know, I I don't have that experience now because I've sort of been in the field for a little while, but talking to these people and seeing what they're confused about and where they struggle, this is really interesting. So, if I was to run through at a very high level, what I think a data scientist needs to learn. So I think at a very high level, you do need to know some programming. So my recommendation is always to learn SQL or SQL, because it's so powerful and so useful. Um, and it's still solving so many business problems, even though it's not as sexy as some of the other programming languages, it is such a powerful tool to have. And the, and the reality is that, I don't know, 95%, 90, I think I, I actually interviewed you know, data science leaders, and I think ninety-seven percent of them, it was said that they are using SQL in their data science teams. Yeah, Um, I'm And then also, if
0: it's not higher, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here.
1: It's it, it's you know everywhere I've worked, even you know Amazon and Sony, it's it's always a huge part of what you do is using mm-hmm. SQL. Um, and then, of course, on top of that, you probably want to learn a, a more sort of a programming, a more true programming language. Uh, and in in Data Science Infinity, I teach Python. Uh, the reason the reason that I teach Python over R is purely that um, it's listed on more job uh, data science job descriptions. When I interviewed leaders around, you know, hiring managers and leaders around what they're using in their teams, it came out that I think eighty-seven percent of them were using Python in their data science teams, whereas um, it was around fifty-five percent, I think, for R. So it's not that you should learn Python or should learn R. I don't want to get into that debate because I love both languages and I've I've been fortunate to have used both languages, but um, I just teach. Uh, uh, I just teach Python purely because it seems to be more, you know, more commonly used within the within the industry. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that, but that's that's a that's a great point, right? And I'm sure we'll probably delve into
0: this in a little bit of detail further on. But um, you know, the, the advice that I'm often trying to give to people, and obviously where I work is at the mid to senior level, right? So, but but I get a lot of people approach me for advice, and you know, I've just graduated, and where should I be looking, and what should I focus my attention on, and I often advise people not to get hung up with with the tech because obviously the tech is just an enabler to do the job, right? So, and, and every business might use something different, but um, absolutely, you know, most businesses, you know, I'd say use Python over R, but I think, you know, often they're, they're quite interchangeable in terms of, you know, typically you're not going to get ruled out if you've got R experience over Python, but I'd absolutely agree with you that it's probably best to learn things yeah. that are most common.
1: Right. Yeah, it's yes. it's sort of it just helps you, I think, yeah. especially when you're trying to get into the field. But but obviously, like exactly like what you've said, the most the most important thing is figuring out how to solve a problem. Because exactly like you've said, you could solve that problem using Python or using R. The the language itself doesn't matter too much. The only time that the only time that it does start to matter is when you and this is this is something that I found at Sony was that the I guess you know to generalize the term the data engineering teams who who I was working with a lot you know quite closely in terms of I was prototyping something and they were thinking about how they might put that into production they were very familiar with Python whereas they weren't familiar with R so that just okay. made that That discussion a little bit easier, but in a lot of cases you won't be you you might not have that relationship. So you know R is going to do absolutely everything. I mean, I learned R first and then learned Python, and I love both. It just happens that sometimes other teams who you might be relying on or might be relying on you may be more familiar with Python, and that you know if that's the case, then obviously that's that's a tick in the Python box. But the sort of how to solve the problem is so much more important than the the. The coding coding language that you're using, I think.
0: Yeah, I guess for the aspiring data scientists out there that are going to be listening t- to this, um, are there any noticeable differences between R and Python in terms of
1: learning it and, and using it? Not really. I mean, the differences are more subtle, to be honest. It's more syntax differences. If you if you really knew what you were doing, you could do everything in both languages, you know, using some of the the packages that are available. There's nothing, there's, there probably are some things if you delve right into the depths of it that you can only do in one language. But I would imagine for the most part, you could do everything in both. And even even from the point of that relationship with data engineering teams, you probably could do all of that using R. You just need to explain it to them a little bit more. or You need to find some wrapper code which could sort of help put the R code into production you could absolutely do it it's just sometimes it's easier or it's more efficient to go down the route of of something that other people understand but um yeah I honestly don't want to say that you should learn one or the other I think Mm -hmm. just pick one and go for it start start solving problems and start building projects and and don't worry too much about which you know If, if you learn R and then you needed to learn Python on the job you'd learn it really easily there would be those annoying, subtle changes that you needed to get used to, but it wouldn't take too long. It's like if you had a if you had an Android phone and then you bought an iPhone, there's a week or two, right, where it's the yeah. most frustrating thing in the world. But after that, you're just flying again. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So I guess in terms of kind of surmising that, then you're talking about, you know, aspiring data scientists, their focus should be on learning a programming language that is going to be commonly used, um, but then, you know, focusing on how to solve problems. They're, they're yeah. the kind of two key elements, right?
1: Well, well, that, that sort of gets you started, I think. So a programming language is important. The next thing that you're going to hear is that you need to learn all of this math before you you know to be a data scientist you know to mm-hmm. need to know this maths and that maths and uh I try and tell people don't be scared off by this because y- you do need to know some maths absolutely but you do not need to spend a year reading textbooks before you're allowed to <laughs> progress or before you're allowed to work on anything cool yeah. some people will tell you that they'll say if you want to be a data scientist you need to know all of linear algebra like that that's to me that's not true you do need to know some of those concepts and you will get there but my advice is to try and start learning this maths as you start applying things like machine learning algorithms, for example. It's so much more enjoyable to learn while you're testing and modifying things and pushing buttons and turning dials and seeing what changes and then figuring out why it changes. And that comes back to what I was saying earlier as well. You, you're learning in a in an application sense. So you're learning about the stuff and why it matters for what you're doing. You're not just learning a mathematical formula. Um so I think that's quite important. Don't be scared away by the maths. Just start learning it as you go. Um, I think it's important to learn about exploring and understanding data, um, and this a lot of this just comes through practice. But but getting familiar with Python libraries like Pandas is huge. You know, there's so much you can do in there. Um, machine learning is obviously a huge part of data science. So learning how to apply the commonly used algorithms is definitely worthwhile. But but something I also say is don't think that you need to learn every machine learning algorithm that there is. <laughs> You know, there's I don't know. You, it's probably countless machine learning algorithms that you could go and learn, but if you learn the four or five key ones and learn them well and figure out how you know how to apply them in different scenarios, then you're going to be able to solve you know 95 of problems that need machine learning, um, and you're going to you're going to be able to solve them well because you you've you've understood what's going on under the hood rather than learning at a very narrow you know a very high level 20 machine learning algorithms. You've gone into the depths of four of them, and I think that's a better way to go mean yeah. um, that's something that I've learned from interviewing a lot of candidates as well, that a lot of online courses will try and teach you 20 machine learning algorithms, and there's less focus on other important areas. So I think try and focus on a, a small subset of commonly used ones and get a really good understanding of how to apply them. Um, but then on, on top of all that, so I guess I've just been talking mostly about technical skills, but data science is definitely not about not all about the technical skills. Um I think what can differentiate a good data scientist from a great data scientist is really their ability to understand a business problem first, and then work back to a data science solution from there, and not the other way around. Um, so always thinking about like, why does this problem need to be solved? Because I don't. Nobody's going to really pay you just to be good at coding, or just to be good at maths, or just to know 20 machine learning algorithms. But they will. They will pay you, and they'll pay you really well to add tangible value to their business or solve their problems so you've always got to keep your eye on that those, those softer skills around communication and understanding the business problem and putting in place relevant solutions not just the most complex one you can think of. Yeah and I, I guess you know that's, that's such a, a
0: relevant topic at the moment, because I guess we've kind of, we've gone on this journey, right, where every business now is talking about data science and machine learning and how it can help solve the problems and so forth and so on. And I think we've, again, we're at, you know, a part of the the journey where there is some disparity still around that and, um, you know, between the the commercial and communication, softer skills, uh, as you called it, and some of the the technical skills. So a couple of questions that I've got for you here andrew and i guess this this is debated a lot and and i guess for aspiring data scientists or people that are junior in their careers or just entering the workforce how i guess important is it for them to be able to kind of have those type of commercial conversations and i guess the reason i asked that question just to kind of give you some context is obviously there's there's a lot of people out there that i speak to that are kind of like look you know great data scientists they they're the ones that focus on the business problem and work back you know they they're very commercial they can speak to stakeholders they can engage the users they can blah 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 um but obviously someone that's starting out on their journey with data science and just entering the workforce they've probably never had experience in in that right so i i guess how do you how do you take that step, because I guess it's it's almost that catch twenty two cycle, right? Of you, you can never really get to that point without having the experience. But often it's not having the experience that doesn't allow them to get the job in the first place. So you know, and I, and I appreciate your course will start to help to develop those skills. But I guess it's it's difficult to develop soft skills without having the environment to just do it. If if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think that it is a tricky problem and it is a common problem. The idea that you're coming from no. Real work experience, and you're trying to sell yourself, and and often a, a good way to do that is to build up a portfolio of projects, and not just from the point of view of showcasing that to people, but for your own development. But a, a common, I don't want to we use the word mistake, but a common way that people go about building projects is to go onto Kaggle and 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 enter one of the competitions or get a data sign, uh, get a, a a data set and try and solve a certain problem. Um, and you know, take take a super simple one like the the Titanic problem, where you're trying to predict who's going to survive on the Titanic. Um, and a lot of people will take pick that data set up. They'll do a little bit of data cleaning, maybe, and then they'll get a an, a classification accuracy score of ninety one percent, for example. And they'll think that that's the end of the process. And they'll you know they might write up a little bit of how they got there. But what you need to be doing with your your projects is thinking of them as true business problems. So instead of just thinking of it as I need to predict who's going to survive the Titanic, think of it as, and this sounds a little bit silly when I tell people this, but think of it as a business problem that a business would actually have. So think of it as like a luxury shipping company needs me to predict what might happen in the event of a disaster or something like that. And then, and then take it from inception what is the business problem and why are we solving it through to what are the steps we need to do so how are we going to solve it what are the possible approaches what data cleaning steps do we need to do right through to that classification accuracy but then try and frame that in terms of what that impact would be on a business or on the problem that you're trying to solve and if you can frame something from inception right through to conclusion and that conclusion is all around the impact or the value that it's adding if you can frame your projects in that way, what I think will happen is you go to the top of the pack, you you are showing a hiring manager that you can think about a problem and you're thinking about solving it and adding value. And when you're in an interview, that's what a hiring manager is trying to envisage you doing. They They don't really want to hear about how many programming languages you know or how many machine learning algorithms they know they want to see how you are going to add value to their team and to the business i mean you if you can show them that mindset of solving problems that is going to really really put you ahead of so many other uh, candidates that are also going for that role so you don't need to do anything complex you just need to show them what they want to see and i think that that makes perfect sense and um
0: you know, it's something that I guess for, for technical people, you know, their, their lives is, you know, perfecting the process, right. To get the most accurate results often. And I guess that's where a lot of this, you know, sometimes falls down is that it's the, I guess, the ability to kind of contextualize a problem and not necessarily talk about the process by which you fixed it. Obviously, you know, to a certain extent that might be important of how, but, you know, the actual step-by-step, Hiring managers aren't too fussed about that. It's like, you know, we've got this problem, you know, what can you do to to help move the needle um, and ultimately what's the result? What's the value? Um, I guess another question I've got for you, and this is something that comes up quite often is i guess my experience tells me that you know in university when people are studying they you know doing computer science or even you know masters in data science or phd it's very it's very techni- it's very technical very focused on almost you know especially from a phd perspective it's you know it's all it's geared towards pushing the boundaries of you know what's possible which in the real commercial world you know we're kind of not ready for that really um, in terms of kind of stripping all all of that back how do you kind of get around that from a you know from a learning perspective, if that makes sense?
1: So I think again, this is similar to what I was saying before. I mean, in my view, yeah, I, I agree. people are always trying to push the boundaries, but f- try and try and understand what that would be like in a real business situation, because these projects don't, in a real business situation, they never exist in isolation. You're going to have to make different decisions. You, It's not all about how complex a model can you build or how accurate a model you can build. There's, there's other elements at play. There's things like speed. How quickly can we get this done into production? Because we need to be talking to these customers right now. And is 80% accurate, Good enough, or is, you know, do we need to be pushing for another 12 weeks or 20 weeks to try and eke out another 5%? In some scenarios, that's going to be hugely important. But in a lot of cases, it's going to be can we build something simple that will get the job done? And then can we iterate from there? But we need to be, you know, we need to get this into place now. So try to my advice to people who are coming into the industry is try to talk try to talk to people who are solving problems in the real world and try and understand what it is what are the considerations they need to make over and above just that machine learning model for example that's just the the middle section of a wider project with all of these different touch points on different teams um, and and you need to be able to consider all of that to be to be successful in data science it re- the the machine learning model part of data science is quite a small part and a lot of people think that it's bigger than it probably is when you know before you get into a real world company you probably think that that takes a lot more of your time but there's so much more around the softer side of things and understanding how that will fit in in reality because there's there's considerations around storage and how are we going to put that into production and how quickly can we do it and how can we explain that to people so they buy into it because there's a marketing manager who unless they understand how this is going to work, they own these customers, you know, and and they're not going to trust that our model is going to do the right thing for them all of the time unless we can explain it to them. So try and talk to people who are solving these problems. And this is what I want to try and do in Data Science Infinity and why I offer the the, the guidance and support because I've done a lot of these projects and, and I can help you think about this. So even if you're, even if you've landed a role in data science and, you, you know, and you're in the course, you can talk to me about those projects and and we can discuss what a, a, a way to go forward might be.
0: Yeah. No. And I mean, you make a load of, of very, very good points. And, um, you know, I've been in at multiple universities kind of doing talks on, you know, to students about the reality of entering the commercial world because as you say you know in in studies they often have multiple weeks if not months working on a project to build the perfect model and obviously we all know that in the real world it doesn't work like that you know the your boss needed it yesterday and it needed to be one percent two percent better than it was the day before and, and that might very well do and i think that's where a lot of data scientists that don't have that commercial experience they really struggle and it's not that they're not able it's just an alien concept to them that you know why wouldn't you strive for perfection um so you know it's great to see that you're trying to help to, to bridge that gap really to kind of at least open their eyes you know because it's all good and well people like me standing in front of them telling them that um but obviously for someone like you that's that's been in that situation and you know would have been their boss you know um in a mm-hmm. former life i think that's um that's wholly useful so th- there's certainly things out there that i want to Kind of delve into um, that kind of, I guess, opens up the other side of the coin. But but before we do that, I guess there's this whole debate in the industry, and I guess ties in somewhat to what we we were saying there. You know, a lot of students when they're studying at university, they enter the workforce, and and they, you know, as you said, they may think that their job is to build models as a data scientist, and. In some organizations that might be true, but in my experience there's there's very few of those out there. And actually what organizations actually require or, or want or expect from from these people is a whole host of different things. You know, they need to be able to go and source the data, clean it prep it, interrogate it, move it from A to B before they even actually do any data science work. And often, especially if it's a you know a small to mid-sized business, the amount of actual machine learning type work that, that you do might be very small. So there's this whole debate in the industry at the moment, as you'll probably know, around the, the expectation of the whole data engineering piece or the capability. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that we spoke about this offline, but I guess in terms of aspiring data scientists and their data engineering ability you know what's your advice on on that is it useful to kind of have both skill sets
1: um you know or or is you know what do you kind of tell people that come on your course uh yeah it's a very very interesting one at the moment and it is somewhat controversial there's a lot of heated debate that happens around (laughs) whether you should as a data scientist you should also have the skill sets of a data engineer so so i guess at a super high level to to try and describe the differences maybe to any listener to any listeners that might not know you, so you could say that data science is more the process of making data useful or adding value using data, generally speaking, whereas data engineering is probably the process of making that data usable or integrating the data with the infrastructure that the company has. So like a data scientist would spend a lot of their day staring at the data itself, whereas a data engineer is probably going to spend some of their time staring at the data, but they're going to spend a lot more of their time staring at the infrastructure that might hold that data. Um, so again that's a very high level generalization but the reason for the debate is that there's a little bit of a grey area between the two um, there are those who believe that data scientists should absolutely have the full suite of data engineering skills and then there are those who believe that the the skills fall outside, the, outside of the scope of a data scientist skill set and that they should focus their time mainly on exploring the data and finding insights in the data and then creating the machine learning models themselves for example. Now It's a tricky one. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. And it will be different role to role and company to company. And and that might be smaller companies might need you to have a broader skill set because they only have one person coming in in the data area. Whereas bigger companies like Amazon, they're going to have teams of both. Um, So it does vary. But in my experience, it probably falls somewhere in the middle, but more towards the side where the the deployment and the maintenance of the data and the models themselves should be handled by a team who have a slightly different skill set to that of the data scientists so a team of i guess in most cases it would be called data engineers and i like i like i kind of like to think about it like this in the same way you could argue that data scientists should have skills in marketing as we work alongside that team and while i believe that we should have a solid understanding of what the teams we work with do A data scientist can't spread their resource everywhere. And it's why there would be a marketing team who can focus more heavily on the specifics of that role. So again, it's going to be different role to role company to company. But personally speaking, the the best setups that I've been involved with have had a team of data scientists focusing on their thing and a team of data engineers focusing on their thing. And they work side by side. They try and appreciate and understand each other's roles so they can work together as efficiently as possible because they will be working together. But in the setups... Um, it's not expected that an individual will have a skill set that can cover both roles because there are specific things that a data scientist in most cases probably won't know. Like at, at Sony PlayStation, I would build and prototype the machine learning features, but they wouldn't let me within a hundred meters of like implementing them because that, you know, and that, that's probably a slightly specific or a slightly niche case because The people who are going to code things onto the PlayStation Five need to be very aware of how to do that because it can't have bugs in it. Um, But there, there would be there was a team of specialist data engineers in Tokyo who would do that. Um, But as a data scientist, you do need to consider what they're going to have to do. So you need to be you need to even if you're not going to be doing their role, you need to be considering what it is. That they're going to be dealing with, explaining to them what the key parts of the process are for your machine learning model to work properly. For example, so even if you're not doing it, you do need to be very aware of what they're doing so you can integrate efficiently. Yeah, absolutely, and um, yeah, m- makes perfect
0: sense. So look, I, I want to flip this on its head a little bit because I guess you know we've we've focused very much on um, you know people entering this space and what their expectations should be and where they should focus and all that type of things. But I think there's a really important part to all this is that I guess we have a lot of these debates and, you know, probably because there's a lack of education from a client perspective around a, what, what data science can do for them or should be doing for them or what they should be looking for it to, to help them with, um, versus what's actually attainable um, from a talent standpoint. And, you know, I, I guess, again, a disparity in, in expectations from from the organization side. And I guess, obviously, it's, um, it, it's, it's great for you having been on both sides of the fence and having a wealth of experience and knowing the differences. But I guess my experience tells me that, especially companies that are going to go on the start of this data science journey, I guess we end up in this situation because... What happens is, you know, they they almost want to prove that it's going to work before they invest, right? So they don't want to go and pay someone like yourself, for example, and bring you in as a as a leadership figure, pay a six-figure salary, and and you know allow you just to kind of get on with it and build the team and kind of structure that team how you like, and so on and so forth. Equally, they often don't want to go and um, engage with you know a consultancy, a McKinsey or a Bain or whatever, Deloitte, whoever, and and kind of allow them to do that for them. And then often what happens is because it's become a bit of a trend and the cool thing to do, they go and hire a data scientist, you know, one person, and they expect that person, um, who relatively junior with not a lot of experience, if any at all, to kind of do the do everything, you know, do the whole kind of piece end to end from a data standpoint, data engineering and data science and and all the analysis and all the machine learning and prove some value. And often, you know, and often it fails, not because what the the person's doing is not adding value, but often because contextualizing it against the business and adding value to the business, um, you know, there's disparity there. So I guess what should realistically organizations expect from their data scientists, you know, what's the purpose of bringing them in and and what Mm. should
1: we expect them to do for for us as businesses? Well, I think, I think at a super high level, again, that the expectation of data scientists should mainly be that they should be focusing their time on exploring the data that we have, finding insights in it, and then understanding what that data can tell us and figuring out the best way to tell that story so that the business can make the decisions that they need to make. But I think from a data science point of view in organizations, I think there's, I think there's two things Uh, Yeah, I think there's two, two things that I can see that are probably hurting the impact of data science on businesses. The first would be that then they don't have the data ready for data scientists. And I think this is somewhat aligned to what I said earlier about the divide between data scientists and data engineers. So most great data scientists will want to focus on their core skill set of, like I said, exploring data, finding insights and creating statistical or machine learning models. If you bring in a data scientist and you don't have the data ready and you expect them to be able to know how to ingest all of your data with the right infrastructure and the right security, you might end up being a little bit disappointed. Like Most of the time, this isn't what they're most skilled at. So my advice is to if you're starting up a data team from scratch get data engineers in first to sort out the data and then get the data scientists in to apply their clever magic to it there are data scientists who are amazing at the data engineering side of it don't get me wrong you may find one of those but in in the you know for the most part data scientists do have a slightly different skill set and and those things are really important so the infrastructure and the security of your data those are those are important. You don't want to bring somebody in who kind of knows that you, you want to get that right. Um, so I think that's important. I think the second thing that I see a lot of the time in organizations where they're, I guess, ending up being a little bit disappointed about what the data science, you know, what the data science part is doing or the data scientist is doing for it based on what they thought they might get is that they, there's this feeling that you have to be doing something super complex. And this is a, I guess this is a mistake that can be down to the business or to the data scientists themselves. Like complexity itself isn't a bad thing. But in my career, I've seen I've seen countless solutions. You know, everything from reports and dashboards through to full machine learning pipelines and models fall completely flat after weeks or even months of hard work because the that final solution either differed from what the business truly wanted, or it became so complex that selling it into the less technical stakeholders who like we were saying before you know at the end of the day they're the ones that will give the final green light that became too challenging um and in that case i think a good solution is to always try and put in place an mvp or a minimum viable product first because that sort of that simplistic approach of the mvp can be easily understood by all of those key decision makers and it gives a high probability of getting something even though it's simple into production um, and it gives you know all of the teams that would be involved in entry point for the project and then scaling up from there becomes you know a much more manageable and efficient task you know if you want to go from the mvp up to a complex version two that becomes much much easier because you know all of that hard work around getting the business invested in the ideas already done so don't i guess my advice to to businesses is don't try and don't, or don't expect that you're going to go straight to a complex solution, get something simple done first and then build on it and iterate on it from there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I guess, um, and everyone that you speak to in the industry now is, I guess kind of on that wavelength that, um, especially when, you know, you're starting out on that journey, you know, just, just prove the value, prove that it works and that, you know, then makes it easier for you to get that buy-in right. And make your job, as a data scientist or part of that data function, a little bit easier to have those conversations, um, which is which is always good. So you touched on there about getting things into production and obviously, you know, in the world of machine learning, it's, it's hugely important, right? Because, you know, we, we can build as many models on you know, mm-hmm. proof of concept cycles as we like, but until it's adding value, um, it becomes, you know, just somewhat of a thing that, that we do. So h- how can organizations help ensure that data science projects are, successful and we get them to to that point where they're adding actual tangible, you know, obvious value.
1: Yeah, I think I I think personally the best thing by far you can do is what I was just saying. Start simple, get all of the touch points, you know, all of the teams that need to be involved involved, you know, at a simple level. So everybody understands exactly what we're trying to solve. And we're trying to, you know, with an MVP, you're going to list out all of the possible things that you could possibly put into this project and then try and figure out where they would sit if you were to do like a a two dimensional chart and you put the, you know, on one axis, you put the time it would take for that to be done. And then on the other axis, the impact that that's going to have on solving this particular problem or adding value. If you just select the ones which are low time, but high impact and you sort of frame your MVP around that and you get everybody involved, you get the key stakeholders, understanding what it is we're doing from, you know, moment one, you know, that's going to get something into production. And this this isn't possible every time. There are going to be certain situations where an MVP just doesn't work. But in a lot of cases, I see this MVP approach just being skipped over straight to something complex and it more often than not, it can fall over. And, and this is why, you know, you see these statistics at the moment. And this is something over the past three years that the, the industry has become a little bit more aware that you know, deep learning doesn't solve every problem that there is, you know, three years ago, two years ago, people were saying deep learning, deep learning, deep learning. And now there's these statistics coming out saying, I think I saw in the other day saying 87% of deep learning projects are sitting on the shelf at companies they have not been put into place. And that could be through complexity, or it could be that nobody understood what was going on. And, and, you know, the key stakeholders didn't buy into it, but start simple and then, then go as complex as you want from there, but get something in place first absolutely and and i guess you know
0: it, it seems so obvious and sounds so easy when we can kind of sit and have these conversations right and um but i guess you know for many organizations it's almost i guess i get the feeling that sometimes it's a case of right if we're going to invest in this we want to see maximum returns okay what's maximum return right and they go for this you know huge transformational type pro- project that you know might take two years, you know, to kind of see complete. And by that time, everyone's fell off the wagon. They've kind of lost interest in it. And, you know, you know, and then it doesn't kind of deliv- deliver the results. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense in terms of them kind of small, small little wins and kind of build up complexity from there. So I guess, obviously, a huge part of your Data Science Infinity program, Andrew, has come from your experience in terms of interviewing, right? So, yeah. and, and I guess this is something that, you know, I've got a lot of experience in, but I'm really keen to hear your thoughts around how should organizations be advertising for data science roles, first of all, you know, so the yeah. the whole piece about attracting talent to, to, to that organization. Um And then on the flip side of that, you know, how to, to be interviewing to, to kind of make sure that they're, they're kind of getting the best from, yeah. from that bunch of people.
1: Yeah, I think it is, it, it, It is a process which is a little bit broken, not everywhere, absolutely, but I I hear a lot of horror stories from candidates, especially. Um, The first thing I'd say would be, don't just list a bunch of technical terms on a job description just to cast the net as wide as possible. People are going to think that me and you have been co-conspiring on on this, but we're not. No, (laughs) absolutely not. I think we've just, I think we both just. Come yeah. from the same place here because we've we've talked to people and we've come to the same conclusion. But you know this this has been again this has been a trend over the last few years. And I don't know exactly where it's coming from, but it doing that so listing all of the things on your tech stack or listing all of these technical terms, it might bring in a higher number of candidates. But I don't think it makes for an efficient process. As you end up you end up being quite unclear about what it is you want, and you'll end up sifting through a whole lot of candidates who aren't a truly good fit for. What it is you're trying to achieve in your your data journey as a business, um, and I think the other thing with with doing that is I think candidates are are now wising up to the fact that job specs or job descriptions that do just list all sorts of requirements are not actually the roles that you want. You know, initially you might be impressed by it. Oh wow, they must have this amazing data stack. But now now data scientists are seeing this as a red flag. In some ways, it shows that, and this wouldn't always be the case, but. It, know perhaps the company doesn't know what they're looking to do with their data and for most data scientists they want to come in and start working towards adding business value and using their unique skills rather than fighting fires and dealing with bureaucracy and like like i was saying before trying to force themselves into this data engineering skill set which they might not be that comfortable with so for a lot of data scientists, they're now seeing that as a little bit of a a gotcha and saying, well, if, if they're listing all of these things and there's no sort of indication of the journey that they're going on with their data, then I don't think they really know what they're trying to do and maybe I'll just steer clear of that. So I'd say, I guess, on the flip side of what you could do is maybe try and illustrate the core technical requirements for the role, because there will, there will always will be technical requirements. So try and illustrate what those are at a, at a high level. And that actually so goes back to what we were talking about at the start, I guess, you know, with Python and R, if you, if you find the right person, but they code an R and not Python, but you need Python, then that's still the right person in my head. Um, there's, there's some sort of areas where that won't be so true, but, but, you know, try and frame those core technical requirements rather than going too specific. And then try to showcase the journey that your company is on from a data perspective. Try to try to get candidates excited about the type of projects that you are looking to build, you know, the realistic things you are looking to build. and And you'll find that you're able to align your actual goals and aspirations with the candidates' aspirations, and you'll much more quickly find somebody who fits the bill really well. So you you don't end up with this really inefficient process. Um, another way you could maybe think about this is, you know, with your data team, or you know, if if you're starting off, sit down and think about what would the what would a day in the life, or say, a week in the life of this data scientist be at the company, and try to try to distill what the key tasks and skills and requirements. That are the most important in terms of adding value to your business using a data science skill set. And from there, it becomes much easier to write a relevant job description. But it but it also helps you come up with the types of interview questions that will help you find candidates who do best best fit that data journey. Because the you know, the other thing that you hear from uh, aspiring data scientists who are applying for roles is they go in for interviews and they get asked the most insanely difficult technical, specific question about a coding language or about a machine learning or deep learning model. And in some cases, they either they don't get the role and they go, what was that about? You know, it was a data analyst role. Um, Or, you know, they get the role and they find that nobody's even using deep learning in the company. You know, the, the interviewer has just got a question off, you know, off the internet and said, oh, this must be a good question to differentiate whether a data scientist is good or not. And that's just that's a broken process because you're going you're gonna to think that somebody who just happens to know that nugget of information is who you're after, whereas there's probably a thousand other things that would illustrate a good fit for what you're after. And that, that's what I'm saying, like try and think about what a day or a week in the life of a data scientist would be and try and use that to distill how to describe what you're after and then use that for your interview questions as well. Absolutely. And I think,
0: uh, as I said, you know, many people might be thinking that we've kind of teamed up on this and come up with a little narrative <laughs> beforehand, because um, obviously, as you know, I'm, I'm quite vocal about this type of stuff, Andrew, on on LinkedIn. And I think, you know, the the, the world's changed. Every job spec you see now, you know, t- take the logo off it. It could, it could be for the same business, you know, mm-hmm. but it's 10 different businesses because they all look identical. You know, there's always a little bit about the culture. What the day-to-day role responsibilities look like, and then a, t- a list of technical requirements. And I'm not saying that those don't have their place on, a, on an advert, but the whole purpose of an advert is to attract people, right? And, uh, and as you say, we're getting to the point now where that format of advert is actually doing the opposite. You know, so a lot of the business I work with, I'm kind of challenging them somewhat to say, right what's the narrative what's the compelling story here why should a uh, why should these people come to you because every business in the world now is looking for good data talent right so why should they choose you so i guess um you know it's a case of putting things on there that they actually want to see you know which in my opinion is stuff like and this just comes from experience and speaking to a lot of these people but you know not saying that money and the benefits and all that type of stuff isn't important because it is but often you know my experience tells me that uh, data scientists specifically now are, are really keen on seeing if their work adds value and if it's visible you know the amount of data scientists I spoke to say oh yeah we did this project i never saw or heard about it ever again i don't know you know i don't think it was implemented i've never heard anything more i never got any feedback um and that's become a real driver um, but as you say you know to outline the journey that they're going on where they're at who it reports to you know where the data strategy sits against the business strategy, you know, what, 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 they're trying to achieve, I think, you know, as you said, the data analytics community has kind of woken up now to the fact that we need to know more about the role, um, but more so about the company and, and, and why, um, as opposed to just, you know, what text tech, tech stack we're using. Cause I think, you know, it's, it's all a bit of a, you know, ball a bit of a muchness now, isn't it really? So makes, um, makes perfect sense, but, uh, glad we're glad we're on the same page with that. So look. It's been a pleasure having you on. A few things that I want to kind of conclude with. In terms of the Data Science Infinity program, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people, hopefully, for you that um, you know kind of want to know more about that. What, what's the best way for them to kind of obtain
1: more information or kind of enroll directly? Right. So, yeah, thanks for that. Um, so, so if you go to data-science-infinity.teachable.com, um on there is all of the information that you need about what data science infinity covers and how it works there's testimonials from students there's a bit more about me and why i built the program there's a full course curriculum and even some preview videos and tutorials and stuff that you can watch um and then obviously if you go and have a bit of a look at that and if there's anything that you want to discuss more once you've read through it or if you have any questions or any thoughts then i'd absolutely love to discuss that with you so definitely do get in touch so Um, the best way to get in touch with me is probably just to DM me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on there all day, every day. Um, so I make it my absolute (laughs) priority to get back to all messages I I receive. And if, if you've got questions about data science, infinity, then obviously you'll be priority number one. So just get in touch. If you're not on LinkedIn, then just email me at Andrew at analytics dot link.com. And I'll absolutely get back to you as well. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, what I'll do, Andrew, is I'll make sure that I put the um,
0: links and stuff in the in the show notes when this goes out. Um, but look, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, wish you all the success in the world with the program because I think it's something that the market definitely needs. Um, and yeah, you know, it's been a pleasure, and we'll
1: speak to you very soon. Yeah, thank you very much, Carl. Right. It's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure's yeah. all mine. All right. Cheers, Andrew. Speak Thanks. soon. Bye bye. Bye.
0: That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow our group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.